0: Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show.
1: Hey there, everybody. Glenn Blakeney here. I am so happy that you have tuned into our uh, broadcast tonight, man. This is going to be an incredible time. I know you're going to be challenged. You're going to be greatly encouraged. I believe you're going to be stretched in a good way because you know what? In order for us to increase in capacity, In terms of what God wants to do, uh, in terms of production, we have to increase in our capacity. And God is working in this season. He is enlarging us. He's doing a great work by His Spirit in preparing His people, preparing His church, His ecclesia, to do great things on the earth. And it certainly is not business as usual. We are in a time of reset and recalibration. We are in a time really of retrofitting the church, bringing the church back to the original blueprints and pattern of the New Testament. We talk about this often. You guys know that. And tonight we're going to really take a deep dive into this topic of what does it mean to apostolically, uh, you know, Use, use that engineering in a sense of, of, of causing the church to really come into compliance with heavenly standards. And, and so there is an architecture that the Bible talks about in the New Covenant. Paul said, by the grace of God, he is a wise master builder. And that word in the New Testament Greek is a word from which we get architect in English. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Please let us know where you're watching from, what part of the world. And we really appreciate you guys leaving your comments during uh, the broadcast. We really appreciate the interaction. And guess what? We're going to actually take a few moments later in the broadcast to receive some questions from you guys. So I'm looking forward to that. Go ahead, hit the share button, let people know that we are talking tonight on uh, what it means to be an apostolic architect, apostolic architecture. My guest is Paul Tothill, all the way from Adelaide, Australia. And for you guys who don't know Paul, you are going to be extremely blessed by him. He's, uh, in my opinion, one of the hidden gems in the kingdom and uh, I know you're going to be extremely encouraged by what he shares with us. Just before we bring Paul onto the broadcast, I want to just turn your attention to the Word of God. That's always a great place to start, isn't it? It's amazing how today we've deviated away from um, the teaching of the Word of God in many respects. we we have our verbiage, you know, we we're cliche about many things, but really, we need to make sure that we're building on this foundation of what revelation was released by the apostles and the prophets. And so we're not doing anything new but we're continuing to build upon that and walk in greater revelation and unfolding. I, I reckon that the Apostle Paul had uh, quite a bit of revelation and what he has shared with us, even in the Scriptures is so profound guys that we need to dig deep we need to uncover these hidden treasures what god is doing and saying in the church in this hour to his bride to his body so i'm reading from first corinthians chapter 3 first corinthians chapter 3 paul is speaking about himself I already referred to this verse verse 10 where he calls himself a wise master builder according to the grace of God which was given him. And he said, and I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let, he says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, okay, listen to this, which is Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw— Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. In other words, the quality of the work. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Well, there's so much here um, we could talk about in this verse, and I really believe there's been a, a lot of misunderstanding in what this passage is really about. But Paul is talking about the church in chaos, the church experiencing division. This is the context of his words in this passage. And basically what he's saying is that we need to make sure that we are building on the right foundation number one and that we're also using the right materials it's so important because we can build with those things that are incompostible or those things which are flammable and consumable and uh, listen many of us and I just want to throw this out to you whether you're listening to the live or you're you're capturing this on the the replay, the undermined video or or the podcast, wherever you are listening to this, whenever you are listening to this, what if, guys, what if the church has been building on the wrong foundation by and large? What if, for the most part, we have been using the wrong materials, the wrong pattern, the wrong blueprints? Well, I don't think that's uh, hyperbole. I don't think that I'm exaggerating, you know, to make a point here when I say this. I'm I'm sincere in saying I believe we are guilty, we have erred, and we have built on the wrong foundation, and we are still building on the wrong foundation in many respects. The church is uh, called by God to be His ecclesia, His representatives in the world. Perhaps our guest tonight, Paul Taughty, will elaborate on that a bit more. But I want you to please understand that we are in a time of great reformation. God is trying to get our attention. He wants us to build the church on the right foundation and follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, fulfill his mission, what he has called us to do as his people. My guest is Paul Tothill, as I've said, from Adelaide, Australia. Paul is a lawyer, but Paul is also an apostolic leader. He's been extensively involved in international ministry, teaching, training. He's a theologian. He's a student of the Word, and he is mentoring leaders all over the world. And it is my pleasure to introduce Paul Tothill to everyone. Paul, thank you so much for being with us. I know it's morning over in uh, Adelaide, Australia. Even yes, it here.
0: is. <laughs> Welcome, Glenn. Thank you very much for having me on. Wonderful. privilege. Yeah,
1: definitely a real honor. And thank you so much for agreeing to be on uh, on the broadcast. Uh, you know, Paul, I know you've been on a journey and uh, God has been developing your vision and your awareness of, of the kingdom. Uh, yep. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, how you ended up as a lawyer being in ministry, still practicing law <laughs> concurrently, yep. and and where you've got to this place right now in your journey. We'd love to hear the story.
0: Thanks, Glenn. Um, first of all, uh, thank you for that very nice introduction. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself a theologian, though. Uh, I think I think I've got a long way to go there, but I'm certainly... Uh, my lawyer background gives me a great interest in understanding the Word in its context, and mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm a life learner, if I can put it that way. And yeah. so I'm enamoured with studying the Word in its context, its near-eastern uh, roots, its, its, its full depth, and so that I can get meaning out of it as best I can mm-hmm. through prayer and revelation of the Holy Spirit. But my journey, uh, Glenn, mm-hmm. has really been an interesting one um, where um, many, many years ago there was a prophetic word released uh, over my life. Uh, I was marrying my wife. That's how long ago that was. And uh, I didn't know what to do with that prophetic word at all. Um, yeah. And that sort of said, well, you're going to be going off and doing this and doing that. And I thought, well, that, that doesn't even make sense to me. I'm, I'm going to go off and be a lawyer. And uh, that's where my passion is. But uh, in time... Um, God allowed me the grace to walk that out, and um, then I got to a point where I just really felt something burning in me um, that just wouldn't go away, and I I felt I needed to respond to that and make a life decision that really uh, took me out of the legal profession, practicing as a barrister and doing complex trials to um, coming into a church environment and taking up a leadership role. Okay. And that, that was a very big growing experience for me. Uh, and, I, and I had to realise that I was moving in a completely different metron, um, the way in which I would language things needed to change. <laughs> uh, I couldn't be a lawyer while well, I was trying to lead people into spiritual dimensions. And I had to go through a process myself of unravelling some of my own rigid, uh, very logical, very practical, very intellectual mindsets to give room for the revelation of God, to smash the smallness of my thinking, uh-huh. to bring me into the, the breadth, depth, width and length of God's thinking, and yeah. that's an ongoing process. So, um, you know, really the tipping point for me was um, in 2006 uh, when I was brought on to uh, eldership uh, with a young man leading the church I was in. And uh, I submitted myself uh, fully to that gentleman. And uh, I I had to learn a lot of things uh, about serving a younger man, a lot of things about myself, servanthood. Um, Hmm. But it was in 2006, Glenn, when uh, I had a profound encounter uh, at a meeting that Heidi and Roland Baker and Larry Taylor uh, were ministering in Adelaide in 2007. It was something God was doing extraordinarily all over the world, I believe. And I had a a profound encounter with the Lord that whole week uh, to the point that that shaped so much of my thinking and so much of my foundation that just became a process of unraveling that over the years.
1: Hmm. Wow. So um, you mentioned God was doing something extraordinary. And, you know, you said a few, few things that I'd just like to go back and touch on. Um, God was doing something extraordinary back in that time, 2007 specifically, it's what you referenced. Um, Now, where are we at now compared to 2007?
0: Well, I I think the last 14 years for a lot of people has been a process of the development uh, of proper foundations to hold uh, an increasing revelation of the kingdom and the apostolic foundations that we have to some extent um, abandoned, moved on, or submerged in the traditions of, of, of church ecclesia. And I think the gospel of grace is incredibly valuable, incredibly important to understand, but Paul always built that gospel of grace, of, of salvation and empowerment into a context of bringing forward the kingdom. So one of the things that we've had to rediscover in this last 14 years certainly for myself, and I don't know about others, but it seems to be there's been a re-emerging understanding of what are the apostolic foundations, the apostolic prophetic foundations that the early church was built on. And this is there's been a lot of debate around it, and, and certainly the apostolic prophetic mantle foremost fundamentally allows the revelatory realm, the unseen realm of the kingdom to be made known. And to be caused to be manifested into the earth. And that picks up really the Genesis narrative that hasn't changed by virtue of the commission of Matthew 28, 18.
1: Mm. And Matthew 28, 18, for those who don't know, what does that say, Paul?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Jesus, Jesus comes out of this most glorious moment that in his death, he's overcome through the work of the cross. He's overcome all the works of the enemy all the works of darkness in all of its manifestation. He reestablishes the Eden authority that humanity had. He hands it back to the apostles and the church, and he says, go into all the world. Uh, in other words, this is a going missional reality. Go into all the world. Okay. Fully immersed, and that, that baptismo word is, is, is significant, fully immersed in the fullness of the Godhead. And Paul really draws this out in his letters to the church, especially to, Colation, uh, to the uh, Colossians, but fully immersed in God, teaching them what I've taught you. And what was Jesus teaching? He was teaching the kingdom. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. And you mentioned God smashing the smallness of your thinking. And, of course, when you that's started off, yeah, yeah. And when you started off, you know, about as, as a lawyer and someone who, Uh, critiques uh of course it's natural for us as those who may be analytical by nature that's the way i am um that our analysis we sometimes call it uh you know analysis paralysis and and we get to a place where our understanding actually prevents us right you know and paul talks about that in Mm two corinthians 10 about Mm. uh strongholds and he's referring to the mindsets there right paradigms and yeah. Yeah. so yeah. how uh specifically you know was this process unfolding in terms of god smashing the smallness of your thinking and yeah. and enlarging you know your capacity to to receive that
0: revelation from him we, we, we were at a meeting, and I don't know if in those days uh, anyone had been in a Heidi Baker meeting. Um, H- Heidi would just simply worship until the manifest glory of God yeah. filled the room, and she was in no hurry, um, and she just completely honoured the presence of God. And we were in a very large meeting. My wife and I were sitting there, and manifestations of all kinds started to take place as the Holy Spirit was swirling around the room. Well, the first thing that did was offend me. <laughs> the, first, the first thing that happened was I was offended. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I was crying out for more. I, I knew there was more. I, I wanted to press in for more. I wanted to be part of them all. I, I read the scriptures and said, if, if this is reality, then why aren't I experiencing it? Why, where's my measure of faith? Is it a measure of faith? Is it, what, what's the issue here? And, and I was really searching for something deeper. I had salvation, and I loved that. I'd, I'd had all kinds of different experiences before that, but there was a moment in my life where I was deeply hungering for more, and, uh, and, and God was gracious to me. So the Holy Spirit, it, as I uttered thoughts, in, to myself, not out loud, uh, about my offence. And, and, and this is what I said. I said, this surely cannot be you, God. Right. And the words resonated me with a deep brokenness of my heart. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do when I move? Mm-hmm. And I realised that I was on the wrong side of the conversation mm-hmm. and I was completely broken of heart. And then the Holy Spirit told me that I was a Pharisee. Wow. That, in other words, I was adopting a religious spirit. And this was the leaven that Jesus warned his apostles on that would frustrate the manifestation of the kingdom. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees Hmm. and of Herod, the humanistic thinking, the logical thinking that, that God has to fit into my paradigm. No, I've got to fit into his paradigm. And so... That deep conviction of the Holy Spirit just broke my heart. I mean, I wept, and I realized that God was doing something in me, and he supernaturally then just pulled down those strongholds. And so the next night, we we came along, and I just went, well, you can do whatever you want, Lord. You're free to be you, Uh, and that way I can come into that reality. And I didn't want there to be a barrier of my thinking, of my intellect, Mm -hmm. of the things that were hidden in my heart, actually. Um, it's not a conscious resistance. It's a subconscious problem of the pattern of our thinking. Mm -hmm. And next night, the Lord told me, get on my face and worship. And I said, well, yes, Lord. Then all of a sudden, these thoughts started to come into my head. And I thought, well, I'm a leader in the city. What's it going to look like if I'm completely flat out on the floor worshiping the Lord? I love worship. But there was a resistance. Something deep in me was getting tapped uh, on the shoulder, Mm -hmm. so to speak, and, and uh, you know three times the, the holy spirit uttered to my heart get on the floor and worship me and yeah. each time i resisted and on the third time the holy spirit said to my heart you know you you you've got a spirit of pride so not only was i a pharisee <laughs> i was a prideful pharisee and yet all the while i was desiring more and i couldn't understand what the resistance was, what was the blockage. And it was actually the subconscious patterns of my thinking. And as I fell on my face in obedience to the Holy Spirit, that's when I went into an encounter uh, with the Lord. And then the whole week unlocked through encounters, revelation, um, you know, the, the prophets of Old Testament realities were becoming realities, moving through the veil there's a whole conversation around that, and that that then changed all my thinking, and I started to see the bigness of the expanse of God's thinking and his ways that were nothing like my thinking, nothing like my ways. So I then had to get on a journey to reread Scripture in a way mm-hmm. illuminated through the Holy Spirit and yielded to what God wanted to tell me, not what I wanted to, to program God to read.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's true because, um, you know, the people that are the most um, easy to disciple and and bear the most fruit are those who don't have that, you know, background in terms of being raised in certain religious traditions. I'm talking about Christian religious traditions. Yeah. Um, You know, and Jesus, uh, clearly those who received him were the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the common people. But the religious people, the the theologians per se, uh, were were really the ones that were averse to what he was saying and teaching. And, yeah. and I know I know we're in that stage uh, right now where the Lord has been deconstructing many things throughout the years. We've been in a, a process, you know, go back to the outpouring of the Spirit. Um, you know, so many things have changed that we've seen the apostolic, the prophetic. Some people think the apostolic prophetic was introduced in the 70s or the 80s, but obviously it goes way back. I mean, yeah. even as far back as uh, um, it's been around for years. Yeah. But I'm saying even in, in the Welsh revival and, and so on, there was a, an embracing of fivefold miracles, healings, um, teaching, yeah. Holy Spirit baptism, healing. Apostolic, prophetic, again, um, in hitting, yeah. hitting the world more so. Um, some people refer to it as the neo-apostolic reformation. Um, but we're at a season now where it seems that kingdom is, is being um, rediscovered. In fact, I'm writing a book right now with that title, Rediscovering the Gospel of the Kingdom. Yeah. And um, when we talk about kingdom um, today, you know, what what does that mean to you? How, what uh, has the Lord taught you regarding his
0: kingdom? Sure. I, I think, first of all, the kingdom is a governmental realm, mm-hmm. but it's also a cosmic space. So the, the reality, I mean, if you read Heiser and, and some of the peer-reviewed scholarship around this, um, it, it, it's quite brilliant. And mm-hmm. what we have to understand is what, what Jesus was bringing, you know, the coming king had come. That's what the prophets pointed to. But the coming king came with a kingdom realm. In other words, it came with an unseen governmental realm right. uh, as second Adam or last Adam. And if we go back to understanding Genesis, what was the reality in Genesis? Uh, the, the reality that humanity was made in God's image and likeness But we're also to be priests and kings. The first temple reality is the garden, and it wasn't a small place; it was a large expanse. Um, And and the ancient thought around that is: uh, on on the seventh day, when God entered His rest, that rest means the fullness of His government entered into and manifested the glory presence of God in the garden, in the first temple. Mm -hmm. Every temple thereafter, even Moses was a picture of this Eden Eden reality. Mm. And so we've got to go back to Genesis to understand Matthew 28, 18 and what Jesus was doing and what he was recovering back. Mm. And um, if we see see salvation as restoring us back to a pre-fall relational reality with God, we understand the key to manifesting the kingdom. So the kingdom realm is is always the unseen realm of God's government that brings order and, and and brings true peace, order, prosperity. So the initial assignment given to humanity was to expand the borders of Eden into the darkness. So it was to steward something within the Eden reality and then to cause that stewardship to manifest the borders, to perfect what God had made perfect, if you will. That's a Jewish thought. So the idea of kingdom first locates itself well and truly into the first scene of Genesis. And we perhaps don't locate it there in, in, in the postmodern church. We, we seem to, to miss the meta-narrative and, and what God is doing in the big Bible story. Yeah, exactly. So once you come back to the big Bible story, you see that there's this unfolding of the kingdom. It, it, it's hidden. It's manifesting. We, we have a physical reality that um, God's covenant people are engaging in. We have a, a Genesis 6 reality so that when Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church, the word rock there is a double play. It's both revelation, mm-hmm. but it's also a geographical location at the foot uh, of Mount Hermon, Caesarea mm-hmm. Philippi, northern yeah. Jerusalem, if you will. Yeah. And And why has he led his disciples there? Mm-hmm. A very good reason because that's where the watchers came down in Genesis 6. And that's when the the darkness started to manifest in human form and in realities of competition against a kingdom. That gets a picture which I don't want to go into, but once we get to Jesus saying, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. In other words, you will not be able to stop the advancing reality of what I'm building because people will locate their life in me and locate it in the Father. I will restore the key of intimate relationship back with the Father in myself, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what? To come back into your true vocation to bring forward the kingdom realm. What we don't understand and and what's been lost, and, and certainly there's a lot of scholarship around this, is When Jesus dies for our sins, what are our sins? And and we've got to go back to the root of of Genesis. And we say, well, the first one is we didn't trust God at his word and it broke relationship and we empowered ourselves to be our own gods. But in doing that, broken relationship lost the true vocation for humanity to be image bearers and priests and kings to bring forward the kingdom realm. Yeah. So, to restore ourselves back to that, we have to dismantle a lot of our thinking that has minimized that, reduced that, or said that's no longer for today. Right. But it's always been God's meta narrative agenda, if you will. Right.
1: Yeah. And exactly. And thank you for bringing that out because, you know, when we hear these comments like, well, you know, we're under the new covenant today, we're under grace, and the Old Testament is irrelevant. Well, people are don't they don't see the connection that, as you said, it is a meta narrative. It is the big story yeah. from Genesis through Revelation, and yeah. it, it there's that perpetual um, continuity. It cannot be broken. And God has been doing something. and And I love when Jesus mm-hmm. came when He says He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah, and and bringing out that and mm-hmm. and Jesus said in Matthew twenty five. Um, about the sheep and the goats. And, you know, he said to the sheep, those on his right hand enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world or the creation of the world. So yeah. the, so thank you for bringing that up. Let's just talk a little bit more about that. So now in the new covenant, Jesus comes, he, he dies, he's, he lays down his life and he pays the price to bring restoration, as you said, what was, you know, lost as a result of the transgression. Um, Mm. Jesus came to restore that, uh, very much Jewish thought. Um, So what does that look like on the earth today?
0: Sure. So Jesus is at pains to teach how he's moving in the kingdom reality, Uh, through his intimate relationship with the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Trinity at work, that same reality that Jesus was living in. He foreshadows we can live in, in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And so the, the shift is fundamental. What does salvation actually do? It reconciles you back to the heart of the Father, that you may know him experientially So we move, so Jesus is at pains to say, I'm going to take you out of the heavy yoke of religion and obligation that you can't meet in yourself to bring you into a relationship with me that I will teach you, I will show you, and the very things I've been doing, you'll do as well. Why? Because the same flow of connectivity, of intimacy and relationship with the Father will be available to you through your salvation. So the first step of salvation is not that you'll go to heaven one day, is so that you'll be reconciled to the heart of the Father in deep, intimate relationship that you may know him and mirror him. That's the Genesis reality, that we are to mirror. We, we actually have mirror nuance. Uh, and what Paul says is that which you behold, you become. And hence you move from glory to glory by bound in the presence of God. And the presence of God is not just the Holy Spirit, but the presence of God is the Word and Spirit the Mm -hmm. Word and Spirit. And we've created a dichotomy in the charismatic world between evangelical and and charismata, which is, if if I can respectfully say, an illegal separation. You can't divide God. And so God is Spirit. He is Word. He is truth. And and let me say this. When we talk about love in the church, you can't talk about love and not talk about truth. Love and truth are a person not a principle or a concept or an emotion. It's far deeper, far more spiritual, far more empowering than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have this reality that Jesus says to Philip, and, and the Lord spoke to me about this when I was voted of I'll stop Russia. Uh, I was ministering in Russia, and, and I was standing literally at the eastern gate of Russia um, over where, where, the, where the guns are set up, pointed at Japan from World War I. And, and And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he spoke to me. He said, the predicate to the promise is intimacy of relationship. And I said, well, that's John 14. He said, that's right. He said, everyone goes to the promise, but they miss the predicate. What's the foundation? Philip, didn't you know? It's the father doing all these things in me. In other words, Jesus has yielded himself in his humanity through the work of the Holy Spirit perfectly to the love and truth of the father and in that intimate union as a yielded vessel, was able to allow the kingdom to flow in him and through him. And that, that model, that architecture of relationship is fundamental, fundamental to Christ being the cornerstone. Hmm. Yeah. So, so Christ is the cornerstone and then on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. And the key, what is the revelation that Paul has? High Christology. He talks about this union with Christ being the centerpiece of everything because right. the union with Christ is the centerpiece of what Jesus lived to bring forward the kingdom.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, it's so true. When you go back and you you take a just <laughs> a look at Adam and Eve in the garden, what were they experiencing, right? I mean, obviously that intimate uh, relationship, you said experiential knowledge. Yep. Yadar or Ginosko yep. in Greek. And yep. And Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, they Mm. may gnosko you, experiential. Uh, so, So salvation, eternal life, is being reconciled to knowing
0: God, the Father, right? Yep, 100%. So we've been reconciled back to the Father. So that relationship, from God's point of view, is finished. We're the ones that drift in and out of that through various reasons, but the key is to say, Jesus, John 17, that high priestly prayer is to say, Lord, I, I've given you, I've given them the same glory. Yes. Now you think about that yeah. so that they may be one. Yeah. And so there's this oneness in God the Father that produces oneness in the body. It's a natural overflow of oneness in the spirit right. that has a manifest reality. So if we go back to relationship, what does relationship define? Well, Paul speaks about this thing called the spirit of adoption, mm. which is the witness of the Holy Spirit to say you're no longer orphans, you're no longer outsiders, Your family and your royalty. You are priest kings. Mm. Yeah. Everyone has the ability now, Hebrews says, through the blood of Jesus to enter in to the true heavenly sanctuary. So we're in a new priesthood. We're in the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, no longer under a priesthood of Aaron. Uh-huh. So the the, the, the the inferior has given away to the superior. Uh-huh. And what I say to people all the time is through this relational connection and through this, this, this connection and, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the manifest presence of God dwelling in us and the new life, the divine nature of God now in us, that's uh-huh. a stewardship and a development that we have to live from that reality and causing it to manifest by faith, which causes our growth and spiritual formation. Why is that important? Because spiritual authority is linked with spiritual formation. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, there's so much there. That's so deep. Um, yeah, and yet it's so fundamental to so fundamental. everything. Yeah. Yeah. If we and we have gotten this wrong, you know. For example, you know, we we see people that are, well, we, we, you, I I get asked this, will you come to our church and teach us the prophetic or, or, you know, how about training and equipping our people to send them out and do ministry on the streets and win people to Jesus. Certainly there's value in the prophetic. We need the prophetic. We, we should be active in, in going out and bringing people to Christ. But also often the, that, which is really a segment of, of what we're called to do in terms of the Great Commission and, and stewarding really the tools we need to get the job done, the gifts of the Spirit, yeah. um, is tied in the link to seeing people restored to that kingdom reality and kingdom resonance, even.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, again, the, the, in my experience over 15 years of, of, of leading uh, beautiful people is that we live in a fallen world. And the idea of being in intimate relationship is difficult for us to grasp. Yeah. One, we've had really difficult relationships. Most people, when you talk yeah. about the father heart of God, they might have had an experience that that gets projected into that conversation. Well, my father wasn't very this and my father wasn't that. And right. what we see is the strategy of, of love wounds are, are trading flaws in the realm of the spirit. I don't, it's pretty deep, but. Exactly. We see that we, we see the strategy of the enemy is to bruise generations in the heart, mm-hmm. to bruise relationships between fathers and children, parents and children. We see the separation of that out. Mm-hmm. We see um, relationship generally in the church being problematic because we carry trauma, we carry all sorts of things that are hidden in us mm-hmm. which we think are normal. And that's where Isaiah 61 comes in. And this is the amazing thing. When Jesus picks up his missional mantle, when he sits down after he's empowered by the Holy Spirit and he reads from Isaiah 61, he's anticipating the power of the gospel and the anointing that he carries is to be able to heal and liberate people in emotional, spiritual, physical bondage through the announcing of the kingdom to begin into a divine exchange for they would then themselves become they who liberate others, not only for their sake, but for the sake of their family, for the sake of a region, and for the sake of the destiny of a city. So this idea that we can have a breakdown at the most fundamental level of a separation between God and believer, even when you're saved, because you have a love, unresolved love wound, of your heart. In other words, you think you're in shame, you're in bondage, you think you're never good enough, and how can God love you unconditionally? Well, my news to every listener is for God not to love you unconditionally Mm. is for him to deny his very self. Mm. See, this is the radical story. This is the radical story of Calvary, that it's for love's sake that God brings all of humanity out of the bondage of fallenness, out of the bondage and the imprisonment, of emotional trauma and disconnection, failure of relationships. And the first relationship that has failed and been lost is that between humanity and God. Yeah. And that then sets in order all of the flow of the kingdom. It sets in order everything in life. And when that is gets set right, then we come back into divine apostolic order. And so Paul says there's a spirit, the spirit witnesses to your spirit that you're adopted into the kingdom realm of God, you, you, you are divine royalty living in a fallen world, yeah. and that should bring humility and faith to us and such hope to us that we go, oh, my goodness, I've never seen yeah. myself like that because then relationship reestablishes identity. Yes. Identity yeah. establishes purpose. So you can see that the breaking of the relationship fractures identity. Absolutely. Fractured identity breaks our true vocation and purpose and mission into the world.
1: Yeah. Uh, very brilliant, Paul. And I teach that uh, often. In fact, on, on our ministry, our School of Ministry website, we call three pillars, uh, the foundation, Christ, obviously, but the pillars being intimacy, identity, and then our purpose or our destiny yeah. in the yeah. world. And I love that. I love the Gospel of John. It's, and and when we read the Gospel of John and we see this one, the word who became flesh, the logos who came to represent, to be the embodiment, the, more than the message, you know. But yeah. um, he he came to embody who God is. Yeah. And, and when we see John, this one uh, who's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, I believe it's seven times in the gospel of John. It says that. And the final time is in the 21st chapter where he has his head on Jesus breast. Mm -hmm. And, and can you imagine guys like putting your head on Jesus breast and hearing the heartbeat of the son of God? And yet, I believe what has happened here in in John's transformation as the son of thunder to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Again, let's just make it clear: he has written this gospel, and he's referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm, I'm the yep. father, you know, his favorite yep. or whatever. And, yep. and the revelation here that just in you know just overwhelmed him and consumed him to the point that that he knew that I'm loved by Jesus, and it was his intimacy with yeah. him. The time he spent with him resulting in that unfolding that revelation knowledge of of how valued he was, how loved he was, and yeah. and that's so important that we get that right, and it has to happen in that order, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, a- a- absolutely, Glenn, and I-, I think once we get, once we understand that protocol that God has to restore first things first, Hmm. And when you put first things first, everything flows in natural progression from that because there is an architecture. There is a, a flow that, that God is a God of order. And I'll give you an example. When, when okay. Nakash, Satan, leaves his estate to come, to, to come from around the throne into the garden, mm-hmm. he creates disorder, and there's, there's a violence of his trade. Whenever we see disorder, we see sin. Sin produces disorder. Mm-hmm. But what righteousness produces, and, and often we focus on morality and there's a measure of that. But first of all, righteousness is right standing and right order. Things come back into the right order of things. So a lot of, a lot of the reality is that if, if, if our history can keep us separated from our future, mm-hmm. then we don't come into it. That's Psalm 139. So God goes ahead of us to prepare a future prepare a way. Then he comes behind us, wraps himself around us, he, I'm the omnipresence of God. That's what David's talking about. But it's more than that. He says, I'll deal with your past right. yeah, awesome. so that it will never limit you coming into your future. Mm. Every thought I ha- I'm going to work everything together for good. Yeah. And that doesn't mean everything is, is hunky-dory and everything goes smoothly. That's not what he's saying. Right. He's saying, no matter what context you're in, I'm always moving towards you to bring you in to spiritual formation, spiritual maturity, exactly. to fulfill everything I've written concerning you. And when you do that in company with others, the kingdom will naturally manifest in and around your life.
1: Yeah, yeah, so good. And and it's like Romans 8, 28 and 29 has to be linked yep. together. You yep. know, all things work together for good. Those who good. love God called according to his, well, purpose. his purpose. But yeah. next verse explains it all. For those whom he foreknew... He predestined to be conformed to the image of the likeness of the Son. He yep. might be the firstborn among many brethren. So how do things, all things work together for our good? We become like Christ. Yep. Uh, and and I really think, you know, for example, I've, there's been an emphasis on, uh, in, in the apostolic, uh, that we're called to equip the saints. And basically we need to help people to discover their uh, destiny, their purpose, and oh, you're called to do this. This is you know your your niche, your your sweet spot. Your this is you know the metron in which you serve, and it's all about just getting people to you know. The, it used to be take a spiritual gift test and then and then throw them <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, but the big part, the the big piece <laughs> about uh, well intimacy and identity is also clearly uh embedded in in that passage in Ephesians 4 and yet we miss that and and there's yeah. been so many who call themselves apostles and they talk about well we're equipping people uh and basically we're sending them out into the marketplace to do whatever it is but what it's clearly much more than that so what what is that to equip people i guess we've kind of well, already touched on it here
0: yeah, I, I think we have to some measure, but if you, going back to what Paul says in Ephesians 4.11, 4.12, first of all, you need 4.11 to satisfy 4.12. Right. You need those graces operating within the church. So if those graces are not now operating as some hold to, yeah. uh, or we you don't recognize, recognize those graces in the church, in the well, yeah, yeah, then I, and I think, first of all, it's an equipping grace for the benefit of the body, not for the 4.11 yeah. gift. Right. So the for grace sure. is not for the grace. Person, it, it, The grace is a serving role for the benefit of others, mm-hmm. and therefore there's an authority that is given for the benefit of others to bring them up into maturity. And the first thing, to reach the full stature of Christ, the moral imperative of everything we're building by way of architecture is that Christ is formed, that spiritual formation takes place. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because you can have all the gifts in the world, but spiritual authority is carried in the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh and maturity and authority are linked to jesus so he was with he had he was a Huios son when he ministered at the age of 30 he he didn't start his ministry as a technon he had to grow in the stature and reputation with both god and man that's a stunning statement to me
1: Uh
0: emmanuel god on earth fully human fully god Uh perfect humanity born from above filled with the Holy Spirit, had to learn how to honour his mother and father, live in the world, take yeah. on a trade, be used to the customs of a fallen world and reality, but come to spiritual formation and maturity hmm. so that at the age of 30, the age of inheritance in Jewish culture, he could become the first against many brothers and commence a work that which he would be the prototype for many like him who would be born of him. Right. Yeah. See, we're born from above, we, so we've got to disengage from this idea that we're continuing to be sinners yes. of Thank the old man. If if, if we keep that thinking, right, then we're not moving from heaven to earth. Now, on earth, in my humanity operating through my flesh, can I still sin? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But God, Hebrews clearly says that I'm perfect before God. Mm-hmm. That's how he sees me in Christ spiritually mm-hmm. whilst I'm being made perfect before man what's the answer i have to reorientate the source from where i live and that's that relational connection back with the father i live from the father i live from everything that jesus has established into that which is lacking i don't live from that which is lacking into that which is full i live from that which i already have into that's a heaven to earth flow Uh in heaven I already am.
1: Yeah, powerful. Uh,
0: it, this is hard, so hard for us to get out here, and it mm-hmm. almost sounds heretical to people. But you've got to go back to Adam. Adam could interface with spiritual dimensions and realms in the revelatory realm of God to hear the count cells of God from the council of God. Now, that's deep, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the reality because there is a royal priesthood on earth which are the sons of God on earth, but there were Elohim, sons mm-hmm. of God in the divine council, Psalm 82. Right. Those, psalms of, those sons of God, some of which became the gods over nations, and that's a whole other narrative. But the important thing to see is we've got to start to see ourselves how God sees us mm-hmm. Do because otherwise we nullify the power of the cross.
1: Yeah. 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 Wow. And, that's and like, great, but... Yeah. hopefully <laughs> something to chew on fats uh, absolutely and and you know the sad reality is that uh, many haven't even even tried to scratch the surface on this and we're living from the in, from the earthly dimension not just in the earthly dimension. Um, born from above as Jesus said, it does not say born again in the original. it says born from above a spirit realm yeah. and meaning we're spiritual beings. And we have a human body, physical body, obviously. Yes. And and here we are on the earth, and we are um, part of a kingdom. We're, we're seeing this kingdom manifest. We're, we're to see the kingdom borders expand, extend. Yeah. Um, so that, as Jesus said, I don't know why we people refer to it as the Lord's Prayer, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, in order to understand that, as you said, it's part of this meta-narrative going back yeah. to Genesis.
0: Yeah. There's architecture, can I say, in my understanding from scholars is the way Jesus develops that prayer is taking the Amida and other whole lot of uh, prayers of benediction and practices. They would, mm-hmm. the Jews would practice three times a day. Um, okay. when, for, I'll give you an example. When Jesus gave thanks for the miracle uh, of feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, it was part of the benediction, the amida that they would pray. He was simply saying you can't pray one way and live another. Hmm. <laughs> it's a pretty important principle. Yeah. Otherwise, you become a practical atheist yeah. whilst you're a believer. So, so it's illegal in the kingdom to pray one way and live another. Yeah. The way you live is the way you pray. There's a faith expectation sure. that your prayers are heard. So the Shema, oh, hear my oh, Lord, hear my prayer, is not a begging. It's I know you hear my prayer. Right. That's I what he, know that. you hear my prayer. So our yeah. Father, who art, it, it, it first of all exalts who God is as the creator God over all things. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good place to start a prayer from. Yes, amen. When you start from the bigness and the expanse and and the the, the sheer nature of God, the impossible becomes possible in the realm of faith. So he we properly orientate ourselves sure. to the unseen realm to who God is, to who he really is and magnify his name. And when you start to magnify his name, you magnify the realm of what he's doing into your prayer life. And then 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 it's a, your kingdom come on earth as it already is in heaven. We and this is the flow of faith. This is the apostolic prophetic foundation, we're taking that which is from the unseen realm and causing it to manifest in us Uh so that it can manifest through us into the seen realm. Paul draws on this in Ephesians where he said, every blessing and every promise is where? In the heavenly realm. So we have right of access legally by faith, because we are sons, but also through the blood of Jesus, to lay hold of that and bring it into this realm. In increasing measure so the more you develop intimacy with god the more you take on the nature of his thinking and his ways and the more you take on his faith mm. faith comes from the hearing it's an action of the spirit found mm-hmm. in intimacy with the word
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: so yeah. there's a clear flow there for my thinking
1: right yeah and as you re- mentioned in John seventeen, I believe it's verse twenty two where he said the you know the glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they might be one in us yeah, yeah. Uh, it isn't as some people I've heard people say it um well, we that the church would become one. that's not what Jesus prayed. He didn't pray mm-hmm. for us to come become one, in other words, some type of ecumenicalism, um but he prayed for a spiritual oneness. That with with the Trinity, so
0: um, yeah, Paul, uh, Paul unpacks the different baptisms and what they mean, and I and I think real the baptism we get to explore. But it, the whole idea is that every believer, once you're born again, uh, you are in Christ. We're all in Christ, therefore we have the same source, we have the same origin mm-hmm. of whatever God needs to do to release in us and through us and around us. It's the source of where we... So Genesis is an idea of not beginnings, but origins. True origin creates true order. If we flow from heaven to earth, we start to bring things back into order. When there's disorder, that's when we have calamity, we have strife, we have jealousy, we have all those things. That's the flesh, that's fallenness operating, But, but there's a bond of peace that the spirit produces. There's a a government of peace that produces a bond. And this is, again, John 14. (laughs) John really brings all of this out, John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17. If you read it together, it starts as a suffering servant. It says, I'm going to show you the key to how this all rolls. I'm going to give you the architecture of what I'm doing and bring forward the kingdom. First of all, start as a servant. Mm. Lift people up. Walk with humility. Mm. I can't overstate that. Walk with humility. Humility sees you see yourself in the eyes of the Father. You see who you really are before him. Mm -hmm. That, for me, is real humility. I start to see myself how God sees me. You know, that can't produce arrogance. No, no. Because you know it's fully by grace. Right. Absolutely. That produces humility, and that produces a servant heart so that I, I rule as a servant, but I serve with the heart of a king. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Bill Johnson says that, and I think it's a great posturing that we can we can move on. And then John 13, he progresses. Jesus just unfolds this teaching until ultimately John 17. And, and I think it's worth studying richly, and I think there's architecture there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and thank you for touching on the point that, you know, we are uh, – Yes, we have the case. we can sin. We 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 can choose and and we do sin. But by virtue of who we are in Christ, you know, we're partakers of the divine nature. His seed is in us, and and so on. And and so, where are you at now, Paul? I know you've recently made a transition after pastoring um, mm-hmm. Gateway in in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. You're now doing something new um uh, and fresh tell us about that
0: yeah i mean um first of all i, I i'm privileged to have led a, a group of people in adelaide for so long and i think they've taught me more than i've taught them so that's the first thing i've learned a lot about myself and leadership and uh, and people and how to bring forward this message but i really just feel that there's a shift in the spirit and um and I don't mean this rudely or divisively, but I do think there is something of a calling out and a bit of a holy separation taking place. Right. Um, I, I really do believe that the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm deadly serious about building my church, how I want to build my church. That was what the Lord said to me in 2007. He huh. said, basically, take your hands off and let me build it. You ride with me, but I will build it. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel that unction again. I I, I really do feel that that Jesus wants to build his church to liberate and to empower and to bring forward an authority in the church as an ecclesia, as a legislating body from heaven to earth that we have not yet experienced, yet the early church did. Mm. Um, And and there's something of that that's resonating with me. And I I just wanted to come back to the simplicity of equipping believers, coming into Ephesians 4.11, 4.12, which we've spoken about, but fulfilling Isaiah 61, which is what I also spoke about in Matthew 28, 18, I really do think it's time for the church to be mobilised, um, for believers to, to come in uh, to that drawing desire to come into spiritual maturity uh, and to fulfil their vocation to, to to reveal Jesus to the world. And I think it looks a little bit different than what we've perhaps been used to. I think it's far more organic um, and and I think given the tensions that are emerging with the way we can meet, the restrictions on freedoms that's happening all around the world, yeah. there is uh, an adversity which will probably force us to, to rebuild in apostolic hubs and groups um, where we, we still have the main meeting. I'm not against that at all. I'm all for that. But we're a bit more intentional, a bit more purpose-orientated, uh, relationally connected. Re- you know, part of my heart is to get people established back in the depth of relationship and the freedom that brings and empowerment that brings of living in Christ. Mm-hmm. That was Paul's central apostolic theme that um, I'm not sure that we we fully grasped, and I'm not sure i fully grasped, but something I think we can explore to a greater depth. That, for all the reasons we've already had, I think will reorientate us to understanding our true identity, our true purpose, and a grace that's available in our weakness to be powerful into dark, difficult situations. Amen. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: incredible. Awesome. You know, going back to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, we have the the ascension gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And then there is clearly a reference to um, each one of us making a contribution. In other words, as Paul uses the analogy that we're, just a piece of the body where the anatomy, but mm-hmm. he has a body. So there's this work that God is doing to, to bring together and reconnect his yeah. body. And certainly in COVID-19, that's been disrupted and we've been scattered. And prophetically, I believe we're in a time similar to what you see in Ezekiel 37, where there's this valley of dry bones and the new living yeah. actually says they were scattered. so you know, there's the very dry, very many. So you've got the the quantity is very many, uh, and the quality is very dry, and that's where many people are at right now spiritually. And we need revival. Uh, but then there's this this coming together, um, and and becoming, you know, truly a body rather than just uh, individuals who are uh, operating autonomously you know
0: yeah I, I i think we're better together that's a if you know me that's a common phrase I, I i use and and another phrase i use is big vision small steps um so we've got to take the small steps towards the bigger vision we're better together you, you know i think we're in times of nehemiah the nehemiah had a vision and be rebuilt a wall though that wall wasn't pristine it was broken pieces of the wall that were rebuilt to surround a city that the gates Of the city would bring salvation to the city. I I actually believe God is not just about restoration of the individual. I believe he's about restoration of families, spirit of Elijah. I think he's about restoration of regions, cities, and nations. And we're in a tipping point. And where the church postures itself in this hour will decide what happens in the next generation's we, we are coming to a complete tipping point in the spirit. We're in a high season right now. We're in Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we know that dark powers operate during this high season of the spirit as well. These are the convocations of God. These are the, right. the realms. And, and, and I believe there's an invitation. I believe there's an invitation for the hungry. God is stirring hearts again to say, is this really what you signed up for? Because there's more. Yeah. Yeah. And that more is him. Yeah. It's, it, the more first and foremost is knowing him, and I believe that's the revival that we need. I don't believe we need a move of signs, wonders, and miracles. I, I believe we need to see a move of the, our reconnection to the intimacy, to the heart of God.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the spirit of Elijah. He would come and restore the hearts, and I believe there are fractured, broken people hurting, -hmm. In the world, yeah, and we're meant to reach them with Jesus. Yeah, that's we'll see the great harvest. Amen. In all the mess. Amen.
1: Thank you. And you know, I I just would want to bring just some reinforcement to what you're saying there. When we have the compassion, as you said earlier, when we know the Lord, there is a, a a revelation of of humility. Self discovery mm. in that sense, you know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, in the presence yeah. of the face of the Lord. Yeah. So we discover that, but there's also great compassion yeah. that we discover um, because we realize that we're all um, loved, a little
0: already. broken, perhaps, a little broken, a little, and little and bit imperfect,
1: <laughs> yeah, but but <laughs> deeply loved and and valued, and so yeah, out of that place where we are ministering to Him, and we are re- rediscovering Him and reconnecting in that intimate place, that's where the power comes from. That's where yeah. the life manifests, you know. Yeah. And obviously Jesus was moved with compassion, but there was because of a... It wasn't human sympathy. No. This was a deep level of compassion that comes from the Father. And yeah. and, and out of that, there He ministered healing and miracles. And so... Yeah. 100%. that's the key uh if we're focusing on seeing signs and wonders um we we need to focus as you said on ourselves that intimate relationship with him and then seeing other people come back to the father for healing and and there will be miracles will happen god will do it
0: uh, yeah. i i think they will follow you um yeah that's been my experience and yeah. um I just know how God restored me and 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 everything I was going after, the blockage wasn't ever him. Mm-hmm. The blockage was a mindset, yeah. a pattern of thinking that I carried mm-hmm. that veiled the reality that God wanted to bring me into. And I, I think that's what God's doing. I think he's lifting the veil. He's lifting the mindset, the pattern. He's had to shake a few things. We've, we've hung on to things. You know, it, it's the whole, that secular book going from, from, um, from good to, to, to great, right? Yeah. Sometimes where we've been is the obstacle to where we're going. And sometimes God has to shake your world. And it's been a personal journey of mine in the last six, seven months. God had to shake everything around me for me to take the next step to where I'm going now. I would have, I could have easily remained comfortable and talked about the testimonies of what God had done and missed the opportunity to see what God was doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think we're in that transition more broadly in the in across the world.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I, I feel I wrote a, a little book during the pandemic called Three Ways to Discern God's Moving You in a New Direction. And and it was based on that very thing that God has been shaking certain people and and uh, moving them in a new way. And yeah. and I feel the people that are going through this, you know, there's there's financial challenges. There's sometimes issues with relationships and yep. and resources and and so on. And and you're like, what's going on here? Listen, sometimes God is actually strategically um, maneuvering you somewhere, yeah. and yeah. and it's because he has a he has a plan and a purpose yeah.
0: in this season. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, absolutely yeah. agree, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, if, it's if, quite if, exciting. i really <laughs> on. Yeah, one of the one of the things I've taught a lot out of is um, Psalm 23, and. And, and uh, certainly, charismatics, we like the mountaintop experience. We like the rest. We like the laying down. But we miss the next part that the, in the Passion Translation it says, and the Lord leads me into the valley of the shadow of death. And you go, know, mm. So, what is everything going wrong? No, that is where your growth takes place. Mm. Refreshing takes place on the mountain, but your growth takes place in the midst of adversity, yeah. where God prepares the table of provision that you can't get on the mountaintop where he anoints you in a way in the valley you can't get anointed in his presence. And he's with you there in the same way, in, an, in manifesting differently. He, he's as close to you there in the middle of adversity that he is on the mountaintop. And I think we've got to learn that there's this flow that we go through. There's, there's times of the valley. We don't stay there forever, and he brings us back up to the mountaintop. And then from the mountaintop, he leads us into the valley. All of it, God is working. Uh towards our increase. And so in great adversity, there's great opportunity. Uh What Satan does and what the spirit of this age does is to get you into fear. Uh Fear dilutes faith, Uh and that's the goal. That's the strategy. But if you know God, the same God that's with you, is on the mountain place, is now with you in a new way, in an enriched way in the valley, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there with you, and he's ready in that intimate union that you had on the mountaintop. It comes even deeper Mm -hmm. in the valley to access even deeper riches for you to become powerful and an overcomer so that you live by faith and not by fear. And faith and love work together. Yes, they do. And perfect love casts out all fear. We know that. Amen. So I think there's great opportunity in all of this mess. There's a realignment. There's a shifting. And if we're intimate with God and hearing His present voice, uh, and we know His Word, word, the Word and the voice, uh-huh. the s- sound of the Spirit and the sound of the Word resonate together as one. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And and I and my great concern for many people is is you know there is a, a phrase that says and the elect will be deceived if that were possible. How uh-huh. is it possible? Because you only know one aspect of God,
1: uh-huh.
0: not the fullness of God as Word and Spirit hmm
1: very good yeah yes that's that's profound well listen everyone thank you guys for watching and um, being part of this i just want to ask you if you have a a question something you'd like to just shoot through on the chat go ahead and do that Uh, we'd love to field a couple of questions to paul uh in the meantime uh paul people want to connect with you um what is your how do they do that? You do have a
0: website, I believe? Website's being built right at this moment. It's a okay. very fresh work. But um, obviously it's Freedom House Australia, uh, and um, the website will be coming very, very soon. I'm sorry that, that it's not up already. I had hoped it would be. But uh, my engineers are doing all they can to get it up, so I don't blame them. Um, yeah, I mean, it, people can contact me uh, through Facebook, through Messenger, um through Instagram uh, in the short term, Uh, and, you know, if people are interested, there will be be both an electronic platform that will be built that will go out internationally uh, and then there will be a local expression in in Adelaide um, Mm. that will be built and there will be a soft release in the next uh, month and then probably a a hard release next year as we work out what's going on with COVID and, and where we're at. Yeah well
1: brilliant yeah and we certainly would love to be able to collaborate with you and and uh i love uh, that your quote. resources yeah yeah we Similar are building, <laughs> yeah yeah well, currently we've we're building uh a website which is a hub it's really meant to be an apostolic resource hub and uh that is on kingdomcommunity.global people can jump on there and and connect and we'd love to have some of your resources in there paul (laughs) as well for people to avail themselves so of course we always get rotting yeah (laughs) absolutely some videos too and including this this interview tonight this was excellent um so paul uh, no one's responding at this point with any questions but would you just take a moment and and just pray and minister to those for those who are watching thank you
0: yeah Father, I, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to uh, impart and release uh, your revelation, your wisdom, and your understanding into the hearts of those who are listening. Mm. And, Father, I, I, I just know that the, the fundamental issue barrier is a love disconnect between people and you. And mm. I just pray, Father, there'd be a revelation of the finished work of the cross in a whole new way, that, that you would show to people that you really do deeply desire them and have their best interest at heart that father you're not the source of evil in the world at all Uh, that man has been given free will and he chooses to operate in that free will but i pray father that there would just simply be an impartation from this time and father that if if the words i carry your words they would bring life they would become keys that open up hearts destinies and futures and father if i've said anything that's off just let it fall to the ground i just pray you would be glorified in them through them and around them father that you would unlock these people set them free and just release the anointing the anointing of your grace upon them and bring them into the reality of who they are in you and that they have access as of right into the realms of a heavenly sanctuary where you want to speak to them where you be with them where the flow of the holy spirit brings forward those things they need to know and that you've empowered them to be kingdom carriers into the world. And I pray for restoration of relationship with you, but I also pray for restoration in families. I pray for restoration in friendships and I pray, Father, there would be a grace as you call people into more, that there wouldn't need to be a fault for people to follow your present word, that we wouldn't be critical of spirit that we would be responding in heart to your heart and your leading in this hour, that you may be formed in everyone that is called upon your name, Lord, that you would bring forward your kingdom realm, that you would bring back things into alignment, that you would raise up people in this hour, in the next generation. Father, that would be kingdom carriers, glory carriers into the world. And Father, we know that you sit in the heavens and you laugh, Psalm 2. So extend your hand and give us a grace to be bold and courageous in this hour, to walk with humility, to walk with revelation, to walk with wisdom and purity of heart, Father, that we set others free in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Paul. What an incredible time of uh, dialoguing. Really appreciate your heart and your passion and the revelation you, of the Lord is given to you, yeah. Thank you. So, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, look forward to connecting again, doing this again. This is uh, <laughs> this was fantastic. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thanks very much.
0: Get a shovel. We'll have to dig people out of there. The depth we went to perhaps. Oh, <laughs> well, that's all right. <laughs> all
1: right. It's like drinking Most from a good. fire hydrant, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's yeah. me. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. You have a blessed day. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: No problem. Thanks, Glenn. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks.
1: Bye-bye. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to um, this broadcast with, um, wow, amazing Paul Tothill, all the way from Adelaide, Australia. Great stuff, guys. I know you're going to want to go and share this video with others and watch it yourself uh, over and over again. I know I'm going to go back and, and just review what Paul has shared tonight. Incredible stuff. This is meant to help bring us into alignment to what the lord wants us to to be and to do in his kingdom so that's the purpose of these uh, particular interviews that we do on uh, kingdom encounter brought to you by kingdom community the kingdom community if you guys don't know about the kingdom community we have launched a brand new website kingdomcommunity.global you can go there access resources you just sign up for a membership We also have launched a a new platform, um, Kingdom Community TV on Roku, on Amazon, Google. Uh, We have apps. We're going on Apple TV soon as well. If you'd like to get your program, out there, we're we're bringing people on from all over the world to bring forth the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24, 14, the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus said, will be preached throughout the world to all the nations, and then the end will come. If you'd like to bring forth the word of God on our platforms, you can go and look at our website. Again, kingdomcommunity.global and click on memberships. And then once you uh, purchase a membership, there is a free membership available as well. You can uh, sign up and register yourself, put your name, your ministry on the directory. And uh, we believe in a very short period of time, thousands of people are going to be part of this. We are currently just in in a a soft launch and we're going to be doing a a hard launch in October, on the 10th of October. Guys, check it out. And I know you'll be encouraged by what you see. Thank you so much, Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. I pray that you have an amazing day and may you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, being conformed to his image and likeness. Bless you. See you next time.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying this show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast. Ohio needs nurses now.